Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? Well, guys, we have so many new pledges on Podbean for our exclusive content. And I know it's super confusing on how to subscribe, so I'm going to explain it firsthand. So first and foremost, it is only located on Podbean. If you are listening from Spotify or Audible or another device, you will not have access to it. It has to be downloaded off of Podbean. Podbean is an application you can download from the Apple Store or an Android phone, or you can even subscribe on their website as well on a computer device. Alrighty, so once you get to the exclusive side of Podbean, you're going to look up freaked out. It's not freaked out Liz Landon like it is on Spotify for some reason. It's because it's the only option on this side, I guess. When you click on the freaked out logo, you will see a little ghost and an icon that has the words freaked out. There is a file folder right onto the right side. You will see beside the word following, there will be a little orange circle The orange circle looks like a clipboard and a dollar amount. So you click it, it's going to take you to the pledge form. And then you can actually click become a patron and you can pledge from $1 to whatever you'd like. And every month you will be charged $1 or whatever you've decided to go for it. And the top patrons always get a shout out. So I just wanted to let you guys know that as well. You will have access to all of the exclusive content like Summer Wells, JonBenet Ramsey, recently added Tupac. Now that interview with Tupac was so much fun. And next Friday, we will actually have part two available. So please make sure to subscribe. Thank you for all who sent us cases to work on. We appreciate it and we will be checking out more soon. We are currently sitting at about 20 episodes ready to go. So we will let you guys know when we'll start taking those emails again. Now for the top patrons of the week, let's do a shout out there. Stacy C57, Eveliquez0920, CAD2231. Thank you guys so much for being part of our podcast. I'm going to say it again and again. You guys are the reason we are here every single week. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed the Tupac episode and I feel like there will be much more to say next week. Oh yeah, there will. Well, you know me, part two is always the juicier episode. Today we will be covering the case of Joshua Davis. This case is a little different than the rest of the missing kid cases. Normally, the children we cover have usually passed on. But in this case, you feel Joshua to be alive. Is that correct? Yes, I do. And I have had a bit of coverage for this story last year. And I wanted to discuss my feelings and findings in this case and clear up any confusion and even discuss some things that took place after I posted the video. For those of you who have not heard about this case, I will give you guys a little refresher. Joshua Davis disappeared from his home February 4th, 2011, New Brunfels, Texas. The family was watching basketball. Suddenly, their 18-month-old son was gone. Joshua was with his mother, father, and several grandparents at the mobile home park. Joshua had been in the bedroom with his pregnant mother. 
It was the coldest day of the year. He was walking and talking and babbling at 18 months old. So he was able to crawl up, walk, and get up and down off the bed himself. He left the bedroom and went to the living room. I agree. This was their normal. He often wandered around the house. Friendly child. I see him being so happy. His mom was exhausted that day and she was not doing well. But again, she was pregnant and not out of the normal for her. She claims more than a half a dozen people were in the living room. Some people had been drinking. It was the grandpa, the great grandpa. The dad was out there and there were two family friends there as well. Mom hadn't seen him come back to the bedroom, so she got up to look to see where he was and what he was doing, and none of the family had seen Joshua come out of the bedroom. I see and feel her panic setting in. She ran into the living room in disbelief that her baby wasn't there, or anywhere for that matter. I see that the people weren't really taking it seriously either because no one expected it to happen. Even as they were looking for him, the disbelief was consistent, and the family being scared to involve the authorities. I know me personally would also hesitate to do anything surrounding police-related issues. The media likes to push this as the reason the family was involved in this, but that is not at all why and how things happened. At the time of his disappearance, only one person had left the home from the time Joshua had moved from the bedroom to the living room. When they called that family friend, he claimed he had just seen Joshua before he left. Someone claims he said the baby followed him out and into the cold. So he brought Joshua back in and said goodbyes to everyone. When neither family nor police could find Joshua that night, investigators contacted that friend. Yes, the friend's name was Aaron Moser. He is and was at the time as shady as one can get. He claimed to have seen Joshua as well. He's still very much alive and I can tell you that this man has a lot of mental health problems. And tonight, I'm going to put it all out there. It took the police over 24 hours before they found Aaron Moser, but Joshua was nowhere to be seen. He also got himself a lawyer and involved his rights to remain silent. Usually, the ones that have the most to say lawyer up. I mean, if he was also concerned about the child, don't you think they would be assisting in the search and not being so quiet? Seems to me like he had something major to hide. The family believes he is still alive, believes he was sold and that he was taken on purpose. In the video on TikTok, you stated that he was still alive. Do you believe he is? Yes, I still believe that he is alive. See, how I figured this out is if I can't feel spiritual energy sometimes, I cannot connect in the spiritual world. I have to try like a different method. I use more of my psychic abilities to see and try to see visions from Joshua's perspective from when he was a baby to about 12 years old. I also feel like he was sold as well. Can you tell us what happened the night Joshua went missing? Joshua, as I stated before, was a very friendly child uh, with just about anyone. And from his perspective, he saw Aaron a lot. He had seen him around before, at least twice from his little baby memory that I see anyway. I also am being shown that Aaron was watching Joshua for a while. And sadly, I believe like there was some sort of connection to drugs. But I also feel like they specialize in child trafficking, being sold on some sort of underground market. I'm also being shown that Aaron noticed that mom sometimes got distracted on her phone and tuned everything out. I feel like he tried to take Joshua once before, but he failed to obtain him. He got himself in trouble and had to provide a baby? Yeah, 
I feel like he knew a few people connected to kidnapping and abducting children and then selling them on some underground market. And I feel like he skipped out on paying back some money for some drugs. And it looks like they were talking about a few pretty big amounts of money. And I feel like Aaron wagered something big to pay off his debt. His drug habit got way out of hand. Uh, So I feel like he talked about nabbing a baby. I feel like he thought of Joshua pretty much right away. He was pretty drawn to him and thought he'd be a good candidate to provide to other people. I feel like they had an original plan to do it one night about a week beforehand, but I feel like Joshua wasn't around or maybe was being watched or even in a bath, something along those lines. The man who wanted the child was growing impatient and wanted him now. So Aaron decided to strike. He took him. Did anyone see anything? I feel like his family, maybe a sister or a sister-in-law type of person and a mother figure at the time also seen this child and the people, which seems to be two people, one male, one female. The male and female were the people that took the child and the people that were connected to him will also take this secret to their grave. From what I see, these people, well, some of them, are afraid to come forward because they're afraid of what will take place. Their lives are at risk, and I feel like anyone who comes forward and says anything about this case puts themselves in a risky position, including myself, and although I have fear within me to share this information, I feel like I need to. Where did Joshua end up? I see that he ended up with a family, and I feel like they do treat him well. I'm unsure if they both know the fact the child was sold to them, but I feel like they were also informed that the child would have come from a crack house or a crack baby. They also didn't get Joshua until about five or six months after he was taken, mostly because he was on the news and they wanted to wait a little time so that they weren't instantly recognizable. Who took care of Joshua when the new parents didn't have him? From what I had seen, there are two women. I honest to God feel like one woman had a Filipino background, but honestly, I feel like she was also taken at some point and sold and put in this position to take care of children when they come and go. I feel like there are at least two women, maybe six children or more coming and going. I feel like these women live with these stolen children to take care of them. Most of the children are there for a few weeks, sometimes even a year, and it's a house that they are in. I feel like the house is owned by the people who run this operation, but also feel like they go by fake names too. They have like an army of people involved in this from the States to Canada to Mexico and other countries as well. It is a huge operation and I feel like there are a lot of people in power as well that are also funding this. I see a judge, I see a few dirty cops, they have their hands in almost every organization they need to have a hand in. I feel like other children that didn't make it to the survival part of the journey as well, like I fear their spirits. I feel like the kids that were taken that were too risky to place in new families, I feel like they just killed them. I even see the kids who were too loud or outspoken would get their necks broken or something along those lines. Can you tell us anything about the people who have Joshua now? I feel like they are a white family. I feel like there are siblings involved as well. I feel like mom can't have children. And I feel like Joshua is the oldest. I feel like there is one other boy and one girl. I feel like the parents are nice to him. I feel a strong connection to California and being in the warm weather. 
I feel like he's in a pretty white neighborhood, a big house, a private school. Other kids are also different cultures as well. I feel like one Spanish child and they were adopted properly. I feel like they may have even been fostered at first. I feel like the family went through someone in their church. I feel like this church also has a connection to selling kids. They aren't high on the list, but they get their feet wet making a few thousand dollars to hook up families with children. I feel like 50 grand to 100 grand was paid for Joshua. And I feel like they informed the family it was the fee to adopt him. Does he go by any other name? I feel like there's a connection to the name Kevin, but the last name is unsure. Maybe something connected to Ington as a last name. I wish I could see it. It's a very white American name in my opinion. Maybe even middle name. Is there anything else you can say to help bring some light to Joshua and reuniting him with his family? I feel like the child photo that they have to determine what he looks like doesn't at all look like him now. I would say he's a little bit more on the skinny side. He's very tall. He has a bit of a bigger forehead and I feel like his lips are pretty distinctive. I do feel like he's got very, very nice skin. So his skin is flawless. He might have like some sort of small birthmark somewhere else, but I, I can't tell. He plays baseball and there may even be some connection to basketball when he gets a little older. I feel like his adoptive parents are tough on him when it comes to his studies. And I feel like that comes first and everything else goes on the back burner. I feel like he does have TikTok, but his family does keep an eye on his social media and doesn't allow him to post under his real name or anything at all for that matter. He isn't allowed to speak to anyone that isn't family or that at least his family pre-approves of him to do so. Does he have any feelings or thoughts about himself being abducted? He has no idea, but he does wonder a lot about his birth parents and what they're like and who they are and if they think about him and if he has any siblings and if they're alive. He is very different from his current family and he doesn't believe that he has any of the traits his family does and he does care for them but he does feel out of place and he's treated differently and no one in his family really understands why. I can only imagine that feeling. You had mentioned some bizarre things happened since you posted this on TikTok. Can you please explain? A woman with the username ellahart56 decided to inform me about an hour after I had posted the video on November 23rd, 2021, that they were actually part of his family and the family had wished for me to take the video down. Now, I've had people ask me to take down videos before and to respect the family's wishes, I usually do so. Since this woman had been making statements like, I plan to call the cops on you, take it down, and I was pretty upset about it because my only goal on doing cases on TikTok is to get the views for the families so that they can have those cases be put on the map again. People usually get upset because they may not be ready to hear what I say and I do respect their wishes always, which is why I take videos down if it crosses a line. Now that's why I removed this video. While I was on a live, two women had claimed to be part of his family and at that point I was super, super confused. I remember that day. I was so happy that the family did address this on the live and asked you to put the video back up. 
They also had informed you of how appreciative they were that you did post it. They were. They were so very helpful in explaining that it was not them or anyone associated to the family. And in my conclusion, I felt like this was someone connected to Aaron Moser directly. Now, uh, he is currently incarcerated for other charges, but there are a few women and men connected to that family that goes above and beyond. I feel like these are the people who came onto my video making claims to be Joshua's family to take the heat off of Aaron. I feel like Aaron and his family scramble a lot when it comes to trying to claim Aaron's innocence. And I personally feel like there's no evidence that will be able to convict him. But there are a few people's confessions that can for sure put him at the top of the suspect list again. I agree to that. He is not a good person and I hope he does something happens to him. I hope karma comes after him. I noticed that the police are pointing the finger back at the family. They are only doing that because they were called out on their lack of attention to the case about the only person who was in and out of the house during that time. They also wanted to take the heat off themselves, pointing out the delay in the call to the police. I understand why they made sure the little boy was missing indefinitely before calling the police. They will do everything to avoid that in their life. Like if, if this is another case of police not taking care of a little missing baby as seriously as they should. Because within those 24 hours, they didn't look for him. Those moments were crucial in getting Joshua back or at least stopping Aaron before he got away with it. Absolutely. You had mentioned that Joshua had a TikTok and it was your goal to get him to see the video. Did he end up seeing that video? I don't feel like he did, sadly. It's still there, though, under missing person cases. Perhaps we just need to get the video back on the FYP to happen or even reposting. I will keep on watching out for this. I want to make sure that this case is as loud as possible. So if you are listening, share this to your Facebook, Instagram, even family and friends. Let's get Joshua back to his family. Even though his parents have split, they are both on the same page when it comes to finding their baby boy. If I don't end up having any sort of changes on this case, I will spend some time in California to see if I can feel his energy a little harder there, but I'm not sure when I'll be able to get the opportunity to do so. You guys will be the first to know, though. Anything else you want to focus on or discuss about this case? I feel a few other things I wanted to mention. I believe that there is a huge underground with so many kids. I plan on covering cases as time progresses that indicates which cases are linked to each other. Summer Wells is not connected to this case. She was connected more so with sex trafficking cases for little girls. Joshua will go looking for his birth parents at some point. I even feel like he may do something DNA related, but I feel like that will take place in his adulthood. I feel like his parents should get ahead of it, though. There is going to be, at some point in the next few years, this like huge DNA database where you can throw your DNA somewhere and see if you are biologically related to other people in the world. It's going to actually be pretty cool. It's going to be kind of something like Ancestry or plus that like 23andMe as a combination. And it's going to work out very well. And I feel like the family definitely need to get on this idea before it happens so that when Joshua puts his own DNA into this, he'll be able to find his family a lot quicker. I feel like there will be a lot of cases with this DNA database one day. How do you think this Johnny Depp case is going to end up? Well, I don't like to point the fingers at anyone 
unless I feel something extremely strong. For those of you who have not been following this Johnny Depp case with his ex-wife Amber, she is making accusations of abuse by Johnny. Domestic violence against women is so underrated and not focused on enough in any capacity. But here comes this woman who just wants to get him back for not putting up with her crazy shit. I feel like she really showed him how unstable she was and how unstable she can become. And I feel like she threw herself at him constantly and actually throwing herself into walls and biting herself and pulling her own hair and making it seem like she had evidence. But I'm going to tell you something. All of this is completely fabricated. This woman not only has physically abused him, but manipulated him so badly. I feel like there was at least four or five times a day where she would claim to want to kill herself. And if he left her, she would want to kill herself. Like it was just a complete mindfuck. This man has never laid a hand on her or anyone else for that matter. And her goal here was to make sure he became blacklisted in Hollywood. I feel so bad about this situation because he has lost out on so much money and options because of her and her lies. And that keeps spinning out of control like it's making me sick. I feel sick to my stomach because regardless of the outcome, the doubt will always be there at least for a while. Do you have any predictions on this case? Yes, actually I do. I feel like Johnny will win, but like I said, the damage at the time has been done and he will also end up winning the civil lawsuit against her and get a payout for that as well. I also feel like he will make a book about his experience with her. The sad part about this is women in general, he is scared shitless to trust anyone, including casual relationships with friends. He is scared and will be overly cautious because of this woman. The other good news is something will happen at some point where his ex-wife will be outed by her own family or friends or someone to indicate that she lied about the entire thing. I feel like she may even admit to her lies, but I feel like it will not be done publicly, perhaps maybe family-wise. I feel like he is a really good person. And yes, we all get pissed off when something is thrown at us. So right now his anger, his frustration, people are looking at that like it's suspicious. But in reality, he's just sick of this. I do feel like he's going to be okay, though. A very cool movie will come out in like 2023, 2024 with him in it and make everyone fall back in love with him all over again. So honestly, I think Johnny will be okay in the long run. I hope so. I've always liked him as an actor and I know this is really hard and you know when you're a celebrity everything you know is put out there so publicly all the time and we are looking at him like he's a problem and people are looking at her like she's a problem but in reality it's like we're all only taking high accountability for them because they're celebrities but they're really going through normal things that lots of couples go through Absolutely. in relationships and there's just more heightened than you exactly know, because they is. have the paparazzi and people and yeah. fans and this and that like definitely gets heightened uh you know what and and what drives me crazy is there's a lot of women out there that are in genuinely terrible situations and men too, not to say any gender, but there are a lot of people out there in bad, bad, abusive situations that need to get out. And this kind of thing just makes everybody look bad, you know? 
Right, and if you are in that situation, you need to get yourself out of that situation. You need to make a plan and you need to execute that plan because no matter what you are, being abused is never okay. Even being manipulated or, you know, used, none of those things are okay. You got to get out. Exactly. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening and thank you Liz for your insight. Also guys, thank you for joining us today. Next Friday we will be dropping part 2 of Tupac's story. Hooray! I know the first part was intense. I can't wait to dive into part 2. The following Thursday we will be releasing episode number 13 with the case of Kiara Coles. Until next week guys, stay freaked out. <laughs>